Chapter 6 of Rational Theology as Taught by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by John Andreas Woodsow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. Chapter 6 God and Man the doctrine of man's pre-existence leads to an understanding of the relationship between god and man which must lie at the very basis of rational theology why god is god to determine this relationship between god and man it is necessary to discuss first the conditions under which god became god as already said god is the supreme intelligent being in the universe who has the greatest knowledge and the most perfected will, and who, therefore, possesses infinite power over the forces of the universe. However, if the great law of progression is accepted, God must have been engaged from the beginning, and must now be engaged in progressive development, and, infinite as God is, he must have been less powerful in the past than he is today. While it is folly for man to attempt to unravel in detail the mystery of the past, yet it is only logical to believe that a progressive God has not always possessed his present position. It is clear also that, as with every other being, the progress of God began with the exercise of his will. In quote, the beginning, end quote, which transcends our understanding, God undoubtedly exercised his will vigorously and thus gained great experience of the forces lying about him. As knowledge grew into greater knowledge by the persistent efforts of will, his recognition of universal laws became greater until he attained at last a conquest over the universe, which to our finite understanding seems absolutely complete. We may be certain that, through self-effort, the inherent and innate powers of God have been developed to a godlike degree, Thus he has become God. God, the supreme being of the universe, absolutely transcends the human understanding. His intelligence is the sum of all other intelligences. There can be no rational discussion of the details of God's life or nature. To him we give the most complete devotion. For to us he is, in all respects, infinite and perfect. His godhood, however, was attained by the use of his power in simple obedience to the laws he discovered as he grew in experience. Many Gods During the onward march of the Supreme Being, other intelligent beings were likewise engaged, though less vigorously, in acquiring power over the forces of the universe. Among many intelligent beings thus moving onward, there is little probability of any two attaining exactly the same place at the same time. There is rather the probability of infinite gradation from the lowest to the highest development. Next to God there may be, therefore, other intelligent beings so nearly approaching his power as to be co-equal with him in all things so far as our finite understanding can perceive. These beings may be immeasurably far from God in power, nevertheless immeasurably far above us mortal men of the earth. Such intelligent beings are as gods to us. Under this definition, there may be a great number of intelligent beings who possess, to a greater or lesser degree, the quality of godhood. 
the acceptance of the preceding doctrines makes it almost a logical necessity that there are many gods who are being so highly developed that they are as gods in fact are gods this is a fundamental doctrine of the gospel why man is man it is fairly evident from what has been said why man is man man is subject to eternal laws and in the far-off beginning he must have exercised his will more slowly or not at all perhaps even as laws came to him he ignored or opposed them as more knowledge and power are attained growth becomes increasingly more rapid god exalted by his glorious intelligence is moving on into new fields of power with a rapidity of which we can have no conception whereas man in a lower stage of development moves relatively at a snail-like though increasing pace man is nevertheless moving on in eternal progression Quote, as man is god once was as god is man may become End quote. in short man is a god in embryo he comes of a race of gods and as his eternal growth is continued he will approach more nearly the point which to us is godhood and which is everlasting in its power over the elements of the universe god's help to man self-effort the conscious operation of will has moved man onward to his present high degree however while all progress is due to self-effort other beings of power may contribute largely to the ease of man's growth god standing alone cannot conceivably possess the power that may come to him if the hosts of other advancing and increasing workers labor in harmony with him therefore because of his love for his children and his desire to continue in the way of even greater growth he proceeded to aid others in their onward progress knowledge may be transmitted from intelligence to intelligence god offered to the waiting intelligence beings the knowledge that he had already gained so that they need not traverse that road but may attack some other phase of universal existence he devised plans of progression whereby the experiences of one person might be used by an inferior one each person should give of his experience to others so that none should do unnecessary work in that manner through the united effort of all the whole race of progressive beings would receive an added onward impetus man's help to god the progress of intelligent beings is a mutual affair a lone god in the universe cannot find great joy in his power god being in harmony with eternal laws can progress best as the whole universe becomes more complex or advances the development of intelligence increases the complexity of the universe for each active individual may bring new relationships into view and increases many-fold the body of acquired truth in that sense the man who progresses through his increase in knowledge and power becomes a co-laborer with god and it may be said indeed to be a help to god it is a comforting thought not only that we need god but also that god needs us true the need god has of us is relatively small and the help he gives us is infinitely large yet the relation exists for the comfort and assurance of man god's attributes to analyze the supreme intelligence of the universe the god whom we worship is a futile attempt to which men of shallow minds only give their time that which is infinite transcends the human understanding the gospel accepts this condition 
calmly, knowing that, in the scheme of things, greater truths will come with increased power, until, in the progress of time, we shall understand that which now seems incomprehensible. For that reason, eternal or everlasting or infinite things are things understood by God, the supreme and governing power, but not understood by us. Thus, quote, eternal punishment is God's punishment, endless punishment is God's punishment, end quote. Likewise, everlasting joy or endless blessings are God's joys and God's blessings. Man acknowledges in this manner that all things are relative to God. Man does not understand God fully, yet an understanding between man and God does exist in that God, in the course of his progression, has gone over the road that we are traveling and therefore understands us fully. He understands our difficulties, our hopes, our sorrows, our faults and our follies. God is supreme, and his justice is perfect. His love is immeasurable, and his mercy without end. For his justice and love and mercy are tempered by the memory of his own upward career. God's relation to man is, in a literal sense, that of father to son. For we are of the same race with God we may rest secure that God's attributes are, with others, those that man possesses, made great and beautiful. He is our Father, who knows and understands us. End of chapter 6